Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, a million and a half things going on right now. Uh, the Trump, uh, I'm sorry, the Biden impeachment inquiry, yeah, uh, underway, and uh, that's great, finally, right? Uh, all kinds of even new evidence, and uh, we know that he's guilty as hell. Uh, there's no smoking gun. Well, you know what? I'm sorry. This You can convict somebody, actually, based on circumstantial evidence, and the circumstantial evidence implicating Joe Biden, that he was involved and profiting from his son's crazy schemes all over the world with the uncle, with the brother, with the cousins, with the grand. It's all there, all there. And I, I guess they call this gaslighting. You know, have you heard anybody called gaslighting? Gaslighting is when it's like, you know, you're in the middle of a casino and well, there's no gambling here, that kind of thing, where you're just denying the obvious despite all the evidence. That's what Democrats have resorted to. But I'll we'll get to that. The debate was, uh, eh, you know, right? Who cares? Right? Who cares? Donald Trump was there looking so much bigger uh, than those guys. He was in Michigan last night, gave a great speech, a lot of good points. Um, you know, but Donald Trump is has been so villainized by the left, by the fake news, by uh, gosh, I mean, it's to the point they can say anything about him, anything at all. I mean, if once you call a guy a Russian spy, you know, like <laughs> you really can't outdo that. So anything they'll throw anything at him. And, you know, CNN used to be the most trusted name in news. Actually, if you watch CNN, they actually still have that. Little motto, the most trusted name in news, and they really take themselves so seriously. The reporters, the journalists, right there, the news, uh, we are defenders of democracy. And I'll, I'll admit, sometimes during breaking news, I'm like, okay, what's going on over there? And um, they're not nearly as on top of it when it's breaking news. So most of it is this commentary, which they totally stink at, and they're total liars, complete Obvious, they have no respect for the audience. They don't recognize that the world has changed, and we can we can actually find out this stuff for ourselves. So I was watching. I, I was going around the dial, and they have this CNN show called Erin Burnett out front. Out front of what? I don't know. She's in a studio every night in New York. I guess she went to uh, the Middle East once, and they keep calling it Erin Burnett out front. Out front. So they're going on and on about the. Uh, that fake ruling against the um, the Trump organization that they were overvaluing buildings and I've went through that before. Talk about a crock! Uh, the whole thing with Mar-a-Lago it's um, it's glaring. But they they can and will do and say anything, and no one is going to really correct the record. Uh, you got some people on the sidelines, you know, but they never go into the detail. Actually, they never really, you know, they're always fact checking. They got a fact checking department at CNN, a fact checking department at the Washington Post. But they only go after uh, conservatives, and conservatives never actually kind of return the favor. <laughs> um, 
bitch and moan about a couple of things, but move on. But this is too, too glaring, too, uh, and I, I, if you run CNN, if you work at CNN, this has got to be, this is a problem. I mean, you know, the brand is, has been trashed, and I guess this is why. Not only is the brand trash, it's really sad. You know, I used to, anyway, let me stop talking for a second. Um, this is Aaron Burnett last night at the very top of the show. They're talking about real estate and uh, accusations that Trump overvalued things. So they wanted to tell a little fake tale about Donald Trump. You ready for this? Cut 20. You know, I have to say in all of this, I, one of the things that just did, just to take that moment on, on 9-11, that your comment on that day would have been, uh. my building's now the tallest. I don't know. For some reason, there are still things that can break through all of this and give one pause, I hope. Um, the, but, but how is 9-11, how is 9-11 about Trump? How, you know, that's just, it's just, it's just repulsive. And, and it's so sad. Three, almost 3,000 people laid, lost their lives. Yeah. And he's talking about, his his building and now lying about how yeah. big it is. Yeah. 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 So they play a clip from an interview that Donald Trump did in 2001 on 9-11. It's a phone call he makes to Channel 9 or they make to him. And here's the part they took out. And again, this is the very top of the show. Cut 19, please. Cut 19. And let's take a close look at another one of those properties that Trump refers to, 40 Wall Street, one of the most treasured jewels in Trump's crown. That property is central to the New York Attorney General's case against him. It is a building that Trump loves to tout. Just listen to him on 9-11. Let me just be clear here. This is on 9-11-2001, moments after the World Trade Center buildings collapsed. Here's Donald Trump. 40 Wall Street actually was the second tallest building in downtown Manhattan. And, and it was actually before the World Trade Center was the tallest. And then when they built the World Trade Center, it became known as the second tallest. And now it's the tallest. Just think about that for a second. If you were alive on that day, that's what he said on 9-11. As all those people died, he's talking about how his building is now the tallest. And he wasn't even right. According to the Washington Post... This building, just one block east, 70 Pine, was still taller, if you care about that specific fact. But that's the reality of Trump. That's his M.O. Say it, even if it's not true. That's quite a that's quite a statement, huh? Right off the top of the show. Now, what did they do? Right. We know Donald Trump. You think he called Channel 9 and just said that and moved on? Right. My building's now the tallest in Manhattan. Goodbye. It's so wildly out of context. So I will look back at that interview. And it is a moving, um, heartfelt uh, conversation about the horrible thing that happened to this city and this country. And here's the actual interview. Here's what happened. Ready? Cut 21, please. Cut 21. We are having some technical difficulties, which is totally understandable when you try to do ad hoc reporting and getting information to you as fast as we possibly can and making sure that it's accurate at the same time. So Donald Trump is on the line. I mean, we know him as the man behind lots of real estate in Manhattan. And, of course, uh, Donald, I understand you were actually a witness to what happened this morning. Well, I have a window that looks directly at the World Trade Center, and I saw this huge explosion. I was with a group of people, and I, I, I really couldn't even believe it. And even, I think, worse than that, for years I've looked right directly at the building. I'd see the Empire State Building in the foreground and the World Trade Center in the background. 
and now I'm looking at absolutely nothing. It's just gone, and it's just hard to believe. Donald Allen Marcus here. Uh, your building is, uh, the Trump Tower, is uh, one of the uh, great tourist attractions uh, in the world. It's well-known universally. Are you taking any uh, precautions there in light of what happened at the World Trade Center? Well, Alan, we've always had, as you know, very, very strong security, but there's very little you can do about planes crashing into a building. I mean, you look at Larry Silverstein, who's a terrific owner in New York and a very good friend of mine who I just called. I was very worried about him because I assume maybe he was in the building. He took possession of the building one week ago. As you know, he just bought the World Trade Center. Right. And uh, he was in his office, and he was getting ready to move into the World Trade Center over the next two weeks. So when I just spoke to him, there's nothing you can do when people are going to be bombing planes at your building. Now, well, I guess maybe the world is going to be changing, and maybe you're going to have F-16s flying all over the city, etc. But it's a pretty tough situation. Donald, uh, you have one of the landmark buildings down in the financial district, 40 Wall Street. Uh, did you have any damage or did you know what, what's happened down there? Well, it was an amazing phone call I made. 40 Wall Street actually was the second tallest building in downtown Manhattan. And, and it was actually before the World Trade Center was the tallest. And then when they built the World Trade Center, it became known as the second tallest. And now it's the tallest. And I just spoke to my people and they said it's the most unbelievable site. It's probably seven or eight blocks away from the World Trade Center, and yet Wall Street is littered with two feet of stone and brick and mortar and steel. And there are thousands of people walking over the, the debris over the Brooklyn Bridge, where they're sending them out over the Brooklyn Bridge to Brooklyn, and then I guess they're going to have to figure out how to get home from there. But they have between a foot and two feet of debris uh, right in front of a building that's probably, you would say, Alan, six or seven blocks away. Donald, this is Roland Smith. Uh, hi, Roland. You know, hi, how you doing? Hey, I, you get, the, you get of... the picture here, right? Was that a boastful comment? No, it was in passing. It was in passing. And they asked him about it. They brought it up, 40 Wall Street, your property down there. He talks about how unbelievable it is, how tough it is. The world has changed. It goes on and on and on. You've got like another eight minutes of this. I just can't believe it, that they would do something so malicious. That's malicious. To take something like that and frame it the way they did. You know that movie with, uh, what's his name? Paul Newman, Absence of Malice. It's a very good movie that most people have forgotten. came out in the early 1980s, and Paul Newman plays basically a, a guy who works kind of a, a you know, an edgy type job on the docks. He runs a kind of a longshoreman outfit in the, he's an, he's on the up and up, but, um, they want to get him. They want to try to prosecute him and they tip off the media that he's a, they say, they allege he's a bad guy when he's not a bad guy and they really try to ruin his life. And, um, absence of malice, the presence of malice, which this guy basically proved, uh, Paul Newman in the movie. That's when it's really actionable. When it's so reckless, when the truth is right there. You heard that, Diego. Don't you think that's a totally unfair, uh, how they ripped it out in no context whatsoever and made it sound like he was just bragging about tall buildings, right? That happens all the time, too. You can, you can make anything out of context sound like anything else. That's you know? the soundbite for you. That's the soundbite. And also the blind quote and all that stuff. Now, I will say this. They're like, oh, and he's wrong about the height of the building. Well, actually, it depends. You know, nothing is uh, quite so cut and dry. You know, oh, facts, facts, facts. Well, you know what? It, it actually, the, the phrase alternative facts actually means something. All right. It's 
And the definition of a fact actually can get kind of murky. I know. I just said that because it's true. All right? I remember everybody was running around. You can look it up. The Washington Post, New York Times. It is a fact that Donald Trump supported the war in Iraq. It is a fact, he told Howard Stern. Well, that's not a fact. The fact is that on October 3rd of 2002, Howard Stern said, should we invade Iraq? While it was being debated, oh, by the way, in the Congress. And Trump said, yeah, I guess so. Does that sound like a you know a vote for war in Iraq? Uh, when's the last time you heard him say "I guess so"? He stutters a little bit. He, he's a guy who does not stutter. That's more Joe Biden's thing, right? According to Joe Biden, he did that. He says that to kind of make him somehow a sympathetic figure. Anyway, what is the fact? So I looked it up. Actually, about seventy Pine versus Forty Wall Street. I could see why he would say it's the tallest building. Forty Wall Street has um, seventy-two stories. Seventy Pine has sixty-seven stories. Is, does that make it the tallest building? I don't know. Where does the roof stop? Sometimes they say it's the roof. Sometimes they say it's a spire. Sometimes they, they these people quibble about these things. Who cares? Lying about him. And this guy, Ty, he's his lawyer. His lawyer jumps on. This ex-lawyer that he had. Lawyers are the pits. Half the time. Not all the time, but half the time. They hear this sleaze bag again. Ty Cobb, not the baseball player. The swampy lawyer. Cut 20. You know, uh, I have to say in all of this, one of the things that just did, just to take that moment on, on 9-11 that your comment on that day would have been, uh. my building's now the tallest. I don't know. For some reason, there are still things that can break through all of this and give one pause, I hope. Um, the, but but how, is 9/11, how is 9-11 about Trump? How, you know, that's just, it's just, it's just repulsive. And, and it's so sad. Three, almost 3,000 people laid, lost their lives. Yeah. And he's talking about his his building and now lying about how yeah. big it is. Yeah. You see? Wow. Repulsive. What a word. Where was Ty Cobb, I wonder, on 9-11? Where was he? Suburban Virginia. Where the hell was he? I just, you know, if, you're, if your house was right next door to 9-11, like if you had property down there, that's what you'd. Anyway, you see what they do? But it doesn't matter because he's winning. <laughs> Amazingly so, right? It's almost miraculous. You know what? It is a miracle. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. House impeachment inquiry into the Biden crime family. It's a beautiful thing. High time. And one of our favorites, Jim Jordan, Congressman, Republican of Ohio, got things started just a little while ago. And this is a tale as old as time. Politician takes action that makes money for his family, and then he tries to conceal it. Never forget four fundamental facts. Hunter Biden gets put on the board of Burisma, gets paid a lot of money. Hunter Biden's not qualified, fact number two, to sit on the board. Not my words, his words. He said he got on the board because of the brand, because of the name. Fact number three, the executives at Burisma ask Hunter Biden to weigh in and help them with the pressure they are under from the prosecutor in Ukraine. Fact number four, Joe Biden goes to Ukraine on December 9th, 2015, gives the speech attacking the prosecutor that starts the process of getting that guy fired. Those facts, by the way, are consistent with what the confidential human source told the FBI and the FBI recorded in the 1023 form. The same form that the Justice Department didn't want to let this committee see. And all those facts 
All of that was further confirmed yesterday with the information that the Ways and Means Committee released from the whistleblowers Shapley and Ziegler. Here's a communication from Hunter Biden to an executive with Burisma. Devin and I do feel comfortable with Blue Star strategy, the, uh, strategies and the ability of Sally and Karen to deliver. Hunter Biden put Burisma in, in touch with Blue Star Strategies. What were they going to deliver? Well, that was in a communication released yesterday as well. U.S. officials in Ukraine and in the United States need to express support for Burisma and Nikolai Zalsevsky to the highest level decision makers, the president of Ukraine, the president's chief of staff, and the prosecutor general. That's what they were going to deliver. And were they, were they successful? The interior minister confirmed that Zolachevsky is no longer wanted. We won in less than a year. Communications between the folks at Blue Star and Eric Sherwin, who was Hunter Biden's business partner. Awesome work. Congratulations to you guys. Those are the communications. That's what they got done. And remember, when this happens in October 2016, when they when the pressure is taken off, the case is dropped against Zolachevsky. This is the second prosecutor. Joe Biden fired the first one. The second prosecutor comes in, drops the charges. That's exactly what they wanted done. And the final step, the final step is the Biden Justice Department tries to sweep it all under the rug. They slow walk the investigation. They let the statute of limitations lapse for the most important years, 14 and 15, the Burisma years when all that income's coming in. They try to put together this sweetheart deal and get it past the judge. And we learned yesterday in the search warrant application, in the search warrant examining Hunter Biden's electronic communications, they weren't allowed to ask about political figure one. Political figure number one is the big guy, is Joe Biden. And they would have gotten away with it all. They would have gotten away with it all except for two brave whistleblowers who sat in those seats two months ago and told their story. And their story has stood up. Two brave whistleblowers and a judge in Delaware who said, we're not going to let this happen. That's why we're here today. That's why this inquiry is so darn important. It's. I agree, Congressman. Great, great job. And thank you to those whistleblowers. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The only time Joe Biden has ever gotten his hands dirty is when he's taking cash from foreign countries, which is quite often, actually. Based on what we're seeing, it's much more often than anyone would have thought. But can you imagine an unannounced raise many homes? He would have made Senator Menendez look like a baby. Just like a baby. Can you imagine? You know, they gave him three weeks notice. You know, they said, we're going to raid your home over documents. They gave him Three weeks. Would three weeks be enough? So I can imagine. I'd like to see what he cleaned out of there. Joe Biden only cares about enriching his own family. I care about enriching your family. That's why I did this. That's why I did it. Yeah. All right. Trump speaking uh, in Michigan before auto workers. You know, Republicans, generally speaking, aren't really a big hit with auto workers for a bunch of reasons. You know, free economics, uh, free market, all that stuff. Unions and Republicans uh, generally don't get along. But uh, Trump is uh, totally kind of uh, turning the playbook upside down. He threw it out a long time ago. And a lot of the message that he had to deliver to these folks, uh, very well received. This is great counter-programming. He looked presidential. He was saying bold, innovative stuff. 
in front of what is traditionally a hostile crowd for a Republican. Meanwhile, the um, the junior varsity league, is that what they call it? The the little guys, Chris Christie and the rest uh, debating at the Reagan Library. They weren't worthy of that setting. They just weren't worthy. Uh, uh, let's stay on the Trump speech, though, for a second here. Uh, cut 30, please. Cut 30. He puts your children last. That's going at the top of my list. He puts everything that's good last. Mine is slightly different. I put America first every single time. So let me say to every UAW member and skilled workers all across our nation, Joe Biden, the Democrat Party, and their political cronies, cease to serve your interests a long time ago. They don't care about you. I mean, he came here yesterday. What did he have? Nine people, right? Nine. <laughs> we have 9,000 people outside. He had nine. He had nine people. And that's because they didn't know we were coming. They didn't even know we were coming. They just found out. In reality, they don't represent you. They represent a deep state bureaucracy, a global financial class, and a political class that have taken control of this country for their own enrichment and self-purposes. Stealing your wealth and stealing your labor while shipping off our best and brightest to die in expensive, exotic, foreign wars in countries that you've never even heard of. <laughs> uh, he's on to something, as usual. He went into this whole riff about electronic, you know, it's one thing, electronic cars, electric cars, electric boats, electric boats, and the batteries as big as the boat. Hey, what happens if it sinks? What happens if... I, uh, <laughs> Could you get electrocuted? Anyway, uh, says he will uh, kind of issue some executive orders. You know, Biden has mandated electric cars for the federal force, you know, all these target dates. Um, hey, if you want to buy an electric car, great. Uh, but to mandate it uh, in this uh, kind of like anti-choice push, authoritarian push toward EV, and EV is just not reliable. It's just not there. Anyway, it's mer- – it's, this is not MAGA. It's not extreme MAGA. It's common sense. So much of the stuff he's coming up with. And that's why I'm very excited. I think if he gets to other audiences, and this is another audience, the UAW, auto workers, that's not a traditional Republican base. If he goes to these folks, I think, I think they're going to like what he has to say. And I've noticed that he, he doesn't change his message. It's still him, but he sometimes changes his tone. In front of other audiences, like that woman, that very upset woman uh, who was talking about her mother who died. And Joe, uh, Donald Trump showed so much more empathy, so much more compassion than this uh, Joe Biden is alleged to show, right, Mr. Empathy himself. Uh, all right, so the debate was going on, not at the same time. Uh, it was a little bit later, I guess. Uh, they overlapped a little bit. And I, I, we had a guy talk to Trump right after the debate, uh, right after the speech, and he said, "Hey, you're going to watch the debate? Said, I'll probably watch a few parts. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try to catch up." <laughs> Chris Christie tries to make a splash by you know, this, this, this silly challenge and silly joke. I didn't get it actually the first time. Cut one, please. Cut one. We need law and order back in our suburbs. People are threatened there. We need it in our rural areas. People feel threatened there. And we need it in Washington, D.C. also. And Donald Trump should be here to answer for that, but he's not. And I want to look at that camera right now and tell you, Donald, I know you're watching. You can't help yourself. I know you're watching. Okay? And you're not here tonight 
not because of polls and not because of your indictments. You're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on this stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that, no one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. And nobody laughed. Like, what does that even mean, Donald Duck? And I'm like, what? I don't get it, Donald Duck. And then it took me about a half a minute. Oh, ducking the debate. Get it? <laughs> Wrong. Uh, not good, Chris. Not good. Uh, let's see. There's uh, this uh, mishmash. Cut three, please. Cut three. Right when I started my next company, Strive, to compete against BlackRock. Excuse me. No, no. To compete against BlackRock. I made a commitment that we would never do business in China. And I will say something. I think you have more than time to explain your point. Well, if I I was interrupted by a lot of people here, and I want to be respectful because I believe these people. You were respectful last bit. But I do not believe in these. We're sitting here in the Reagan Library. Yes, I wish you would not. In honor of Ronald Reagan's library, if I may admit. From one admirer of Ronald Reagan to another. From one admirer of Reagan to another. We cannot do deals with the four years ago. This isn't productive. I want to hear about that. Let's have a policy debate. What's going on? Let us have a policy debate. Let's have a policy debate. And the right answer is we need to declare independence from China. And I will see that through. Wow. They're all terrible. I mean, come on. I do like that Vivek, very sharp guy. And they're trying to say, oh, he's in bed with China. And, uh, I don't believe that. I don't believe that for a second. And Nikki Haley, so obnoxious, like a little, like a nasty fourth grade teacher, she reminded me of. And I had a nasty fourth grade teacher. I know what I'm talking about. She was just like her. Um, you know, quite frankly, everything I'm wearing is from China. Everything you're wearing is from China, Diego. Don't give me a yes. Absolutely. I guarantee you your shirt, your little, uh, what is that? The team Mexico shirt. What is that? It's it Puma's Mexico City team. I guarantee you it's made in China. Can you find It's usually on the back. It's not on the front. It's on the back. Um, my sneakers. I mean, I'm not trying to be pro-China at all. I just go shopping. And it's all, uh, yep, here, here we go. Right, right, right. Made in China. Made in China, right? It doesn't say. It doesn't say. It's, it's got to be. It's, like, it's, it's a vintage. The, it's, it's a vintage. Spanish. It's all in Spanish. It's Spanish. Well, all right. So that doesn't help my point at all. But let's see. Everything I am just about wearing is uh, from China. And you can't put this on Vivek. And who is that? Tim Scott trying to bust his chops. Uh, that didn't work at all. Let's see. Let's do one. Uh, cut four, please. Cut four. Governor DeSantis, China invested $12 billion in Latin America just last year. They signed strategic partnerships with seven countries, including Mexico. And China's military ties to the region now include arms sales and training exercises. Are you comfortable with China deepening ties with our southern neighbors? Of course not. And the reason why we're in this mess is because elites in D.C. for far too long have chosen surrender over strength when it comes to the CCP. Some people in our country got rich, our industrial base got hollowed out, and they have been able to build the second most powerful military in the entire world. We need a totally new approach to China. We are going to have real hard power in the Indo-Pacific, like Reagan, to deter their ambitions. We're going to have economic independence from China, where we're decoupling our economy, and we are going to go after the cultural power they have in this country. As governor of Florida, I banned the CCP from buying land in our state. We should do that all across these United States. We shouldn't have them in our universities. We shouldn't have Confucius Institutes. So you see a country in decline, our power's in decline, 
China is going to surpass us this decade, and if they do that, that's going to affect every single American household. As your president, I am not going to let that happen. I'm going to reverse this country's decline. We are going to choose strength, not surrender when it comes to the CCP. All right. I have no issue with any of the content, any of the actual you know, uh, uh, thought behind that. But there was something about the way he talks where it's he doesn't he's not speaking from known life experience. You know, he's never purchased, say, 40,000 faucets or sinks from China. And Trump has he has this kind of granular uh, just this this life experience annoyed uh, level. He knows this stuff firsthand. So when he would communicate, it would be far more. And that was totally fine. He's articulate and all that stuff. But. It's almost like he's trying to describe violin music and he's never actually played the violin or music that he's never actually heard. There's something there's there's something just not landing when he when he speaks. Am I am I being too much of a am I nitpicking? I don't know. I look, there's got to be some reason why he's uh, at 13 percent in the polls after running for president for what, seven months. Um, Should we do a couple more? Oh, yeah. Here's that Nikki Haley. Terrible terrible and she's desperate and scared and she's also like wow maybe maybe it's within striking uh maybe it's within reach because fox news uh likes her a lot lately um too much though cut seven please cut seven this is infuriating because TikTok is one of the most dangerous social media apps yes, that we could have. And what you've got, I honestly, every time I hear you, I feel a little bit dumber for what you say. Because I can't believe they hear that you've got a TikTok situation. What they're doing is these 150 million people are on TikTok. That means they can get your contacts, they can get your financial information, they can get your emails, they can Let get just text say, messages, they can get all of this these is important. things. This is very China important for our exactly what they're this doing. Is very very important and what we've party, seen is you've it. gone and you've we helped China stop. build make medicines will, in China, not America. Me, you are now wanting kids to go and get on the social media that's dangerous for all of us. You went and you were in business with the Chinese that gave Hunter Biden $5 million. We can't trust you. We so can't me, trust you. We can't have TikTok in our business. We need to ban Mr. Ramaswamy, you have 15 seconds. I think, excuse me, you have 15 seconds, Mr. Ramaswamy. Thank you. I think we would be better served as a Republican Party if we're not sitting here hurling personal insults and actually have a legitimate debate about policy. Good for you, Vivek. What was she talking about? I feel dumber after he speaks. Vivek is probably the most brilliant guy um, on that stage by far, right? Totally. Uh, What a uh, cheap, cheap stunt. And you know why she became the director of uh, U.N. operations, the ambassador? Did I tell you about this? Why would Trump make her the U.N. ambassador? Just real quick, um, she endorsed Rubio in 2016. Yet he, Trump turns around, he wins, and makes her, gives her this plum job. Well, why her? Why that job? U.N., it's very prestigious. And look at her. She can say now with a straight face that she has foreign policy experience. Not not really, though. You know, the Secretary of State tells her how to vote. America has a position. She doesn't have any real discretion over there uh, or didn't have any. So why? Why her? Well, a guy who really did help Trump, his name was McMaster, the lieutenant governor of South Carolina at the time. Right after he wins the election, he calls up uh, Lieutenant Governor McMaster and says, hey, isn't this great? We won, and you helped me a lot in South Carolina. So what do you want? What do you want to be? I'll help you. 
And he said, I want to be governor of, uh, I want to be governor of this state, my home state. I'm next in line. We got to get rid of Nikki Haley. He said, I just got, I just got the exact spot for her. We can put her at the United Nations. She'll think it's a great deal, but it's not. <laughs> She'll have fun for a year and then we'll boot her and you'll be the governor. And that's what happened. Isn't that kind of interesting, right? I just love it. I love that that happened. I love, quite frankly, that I know about it. Not everybody knows about that. Um, and let's see. Ronna McDaniel is the Republican Party chief, right? She runs the Republican Party. She needs to stop putting on these silly debates and get serious about, you know, combating voter fraud. What do you say, huh? But no, she's, um, she's playing these silly games and, oh, that, Dumb pledge that they all have to fill out. Cut eight, please. Cut eight. Her name is Ronna Romney McDaniel. I, She's the niece of Mitt. Go. I think it's so important that we're here in Reagan's library. And Reagan talked about being the great communicator. And we have to be able to articulate what our plan is to reverse course uh, uh, from what Biden's doing to this country. People are really hurting. Those numbers just showed yeah. what people feel. And Biden's ignoring it. He's saying, oh, I'm great. Bidenomics is great. You're doing great. Well, not when you're living page- paycheck to paycheck. Not when you can't fill your car with gas. Gas today in California is $5.89. People are really struggling. So these candidates, each of them, have to have a moment where they break out and say, I am the great communicator. I am the Reagan candidate that is going to take out a Democrat incumbent president like Reagan did. That has never happened since then. And I'm going to take this message to the American people and make their lives better. I don't get it. Everybody was like, oh, they have to have a great moment. Uh, Dana Perino, the moderator, was like, each candidate, they better have a really good line. A debate isn't about a one-liner, right? Isn't that the whole point of a debate, right, that you mix it up? And they make these people, you know, it's 30 seconds. And then they ask them these ludicrous, time-wasting essay questions. You know how I would do it? I wouldn't ask a question because a good politician will just kind of cast it aside anyway. They'll just, oh, oh it's about immigration. Okay, let me tell you my my position on immigration. You, you bring up a topic and then just discuss And the only job I would have as a moderator is to make sure that everybody got to speak roughly the same amount of time. All right. We go from topic to topic to topic. And if somebody wanted to go back to another topic, that's fine. And if they (laughs) if they wind up sounding like uh, cut three, that's fine, too. That's on them. Right when I started my next company, Strive, to compete against BlackRock, excuse me, to compete against BlackRock, I made a commitment that we would never do business in China. You see, you see, all right, so stop that. And Ronna McDaniel, get out of the TV production business. Let's see, one more from her. Cut nine. I think the general election is starting right now. I think we are going against Biden. This is a great time for our party to talk about limited government, protecting the border. I am so sick of the Republican Party and Republicans, quite frankly. I'm MAGA. Make America great again. I just, I, I don't like the orthodoxy. I don't, actually. Uh, I'm very much far more in agreement with them, but it's these Republican operatives. I find them rather distasteful. Don't you? Give me a moment, please. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Man, stay the hell away from Philadelphia. What a mess. He said, crazy lady meat, what's her name? Meatball, the one who was documenting all of the looting and having the time of her life, laughing and screaming. She was arrested, um, but released about an hour and a half later. Uh, hello, Alice in Manhattan. What's up? Hi, hi. Trump has been attacking pro-lifers. 
He says he wants to reach a compromise. In excuse abortion. me, excuse me, excuse me. How has he been attacking pro-lifers? He said the six-week ban was stupid. Oh, wait, excuse me, excuse me. He said Ron DeSantis was stupid. For signing it. He opposes the six-week Alice, ban. Alice, let me ask you something. Carefully. Do you think, I- do you think America would still be under Roe v. Wade if it weren't for Donald Trump? You understand that, right? Yes, and Donald I'm Trump. Great. Donald Trump is the one who dismantled Roe v. Wade. And I'll tell you something: the pro-life community, uh, which I assume you're part of. Yes, I am. All right, that's beautiful. But you sat on your hands in 2022, and you let the Congress fall to Democrats, the Senate. What is evangelicals I- should have been out there like crazy. You know, yeah, it's like the dog catches the bus. You know, this amazing thing happens. Roe v. Wade is overturned. And evangelicals in the pro-life community claim victory and forgot, number one, who brought you to victory. And just kind of, that's it. All right. You had no follow-up plan. For 50 years, we wanted this thing to go away. I wanted it to go away. And it finally does. And now you're quibbling over this stuff because you know what? He's running for the general election. Okay. He's running for a general election. You think that six-week ban is going to fly? It's not nationally. We got to be real here. You turn it over to the states. You know that was a very valid thing to say for a long time. It's the states. It's the states. It's up to the states. Okay. And there are exceptions: rape, incest, life of the mother. So, <laughs> you know what? Trump is being honest with you. The six-week ban. It's just not going to fly nationally. You can't have that. Alice, I know it may make you feel better to say that and you know, but it's just, it's just not going to work. And you can be, you want to go right back to permanently kind of like where abortion is everywhere and you're just complaining about it all the time. Roe v. Wade, major victory. Do something with it. I agree with you, but in Florida, that's what happened. The legislature voted it. The Santa signed it. So in the mi- you know what? In the middle of the night, did you notice how he 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 signed it in the middle of the night? Weird. He's playing politics, all right. And my understanding is it's already being uh, litigated and it's not even enforceable. So I just, <laughs> you guys, right? Yeah. Is he now showing a bit more like uh, latitude on the issue? Sure. And you know what? He has to. If he wants to win, because right now the Democrats are kind of gearing up to do this uh, election on two things. They know everybody. No one's going to buy Bidenomics. So you know what they're going to run on? Um, abortion and Trump is a bad guy. Those are their two big issues. And um, abortion is an effective issue. And there's got to be some leeway. All right. Thank God he managed to get Roe v. Wade overturned. But I still think the pro-life community let him down. But there's still time to make up for it. Thank you, Alice. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, in a little while, maybe we'll listen to it together. Joe Biden, the nerve of this guy, is going to speak about the threat to democracy posed by MAGA, Make America Great Again. What the hell does this guy know about democracy, huh? Remember, he's coming in fourth place. He got 8,000 people to vote for him in uh, Iowa. He got 2,000 people to vote for him in New Hampshire. 
And then all of a sudden, some uh, some heavyweight Democrat decides it's going to be Joe Biden, tells all the other Democrats to drop out and gives the South Carolina primary to Joe Biden. And presto change. he's the nominee. And then the general election. Well, we know what happened in that general election. All right. He knows nothing about democracy. He is a a wannabe dictator. And it's um, well, you know, he's he himself is kind of in in, in his own way feckless. Uh, but what he stands for, what he represents, and uh, this government overreach, yeah, this is a, this is authoritarianism, in part by backing up everything related to January 6th. If only this guy had come out. Remember on Inauguration Day, he said, don't worry about a thing, all right? We're going to be unified. We'll all be unified. Instead, they went forward with the impeachment, the phony impeachment of Donald Trump. They hassled uh, all conservatives. We got booted off of social media. And these January 6th people overcharged, overprosecuted. Anyway, he's in for the uh, wake-up call of his lifetime. Uh, Donald Trump is not going away. He is bigger, better than ever. And you know what? It's funny. In 2016, what was really working for Donald Trump? Number one, the rallies and just putting his ideas out there. And people liked his ideas. And those rallies were fun and they were interesting. They were entertaining. But they were also substantive. Real policies for America that made sense and was coming from a guy they knew and they already trusted and he already had success. So it wasn't like he had to introduce himself to the American people, right? And, of course, there were the outrageous tweets like, man, oh, man, look at this guy go. Now, Twitter isn't much of a thing anymore. What's really outrageous, though, and it's still captivating us, is what they're doing against him. This indictment, that indictment, another lawsuit, another lawsuit, right? And we know, we know in our guts, but we also can just look at the documentation. You can look at it and see it's fake. We know the indictment against Menendez is real. That summarizes real criminal behavior. But when Alvin Bragg comes up and stands in front of the public and says, Trump and Michael Cohen disguised the payment as income when they reported it to the IRS. You think about that, right? It was dis- <laughs> I've never heard of anybody accused of fraud who disguised money as income. I mean, they reported it to the IRS. It's a total scam. Everybody knows it. Even Democrats know it. Uh, And he's just stronger than ever. And now he can really kind of wage a general election campaign. And this is a little bit what it looks like going into a union stronghold, you know, car city up there in Michigan. Go ahead with that, please. The last one. Yesterday, Joe Biden came to Michigan to pose for photos at the picket line. But it's his policies that send Michigan auto workers to the unemployment line. He only came after I announced that I would be here. You know, he announced quite a bit later. Spoke for a few seconds. Did you notice he spoke for what? A few seconds? And he had absolutely no idea what he was saying. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know what he was saying. Where am I? He's saying, where am I? Oh, you're in Michigan. Oh, that's. (laughs) I get a huge kick out of it. Now, do me a favor. Why the hell was uh, Newsom hanging around that debate? It's a Republican primary debate. And Gavin Newsom, the the sitting governor of California, is walking around. This guy wants it bad. He knows Fox is big. He knows there are a lot of eyeballs. He wants to get on TV. And uh, he's a little bit, I think, in love with himself. You know, the hair. He's slim. He's like 160 pounds, six foot two, right? Um, really ready for prime, prime time in the looks department. 
uh, the rest of it, his half-baked ideas, and here he is kind of squirming and being that career politician. It's time to show some some space between you and the Biden administration, but he won't do it. Here he is on with Sean Hannity. Remember, this is pretty boy Gavin Newsom. Uh, go. Is this border secure? I believe Ronald Reagan was right in 1986 when he supported comprehensive immigration. Yeah, well, he also said it was the worst decision he ever made. Yeah, but I believe that he did the right thing for the right reasons because he recognized it's not just a border issue. That the said entire it was the worst system, decision. The entire system needs to be reformed. We haven't reformed since 86. You're not answering my question. We need to reform question. the asylum system. I want to know. I believe you, in you, strong you borders. You just you said Joe's successful. I think Joe Biden has it been are, unbelievably is successful. Is this border president. secure? The border, we, we all agree we have a border challenge. We all agree challenge? we need to, we need to reform the asylum system. We agree in strong borders. So Democrats he's not successful in securing that. the border. I think the Republican Party is complicit in this as well. You cannot do things, I mean it's just factual. The There's border was secure factors. under Donald Trump. Oh, that's wildly overstated, but I get your fundamental point. Clearly, the challenges are more acute today. And by the way, I don't need to be educated on this. I have the largest land port in the Western Hemisphere here in the state of California. Um, what do you think, huh? Is the border secure? That really throws them. I'll give him this. When uh, what's her name said the border secure, Kamala Harris, the border secure, and she was raked over the coals for that. Yeah, these politicians, they can't answer questions candidly. If he said it was unsecure, the Democrat Party would have totally flipped out. Um, and now these days, strangely, in the Democrat Party, it's party before country. Have you noticed that? All right, back to Philadelphia. This crazy lady who was taking the video and live streaming the looting of the stores, including a Lululemon and all kinds of people. If I were a looter, Lululemon would be the last place I would loot to be honest right a bunch of yoga clothes i don't get that at all but anyway this is what it sounded like cut 22 please All right, so she's having a blast, that satanic laughter, right? So um, her name is Meatball. I guess that must be her nickname, I hope. I'm looking at her right now, and uh, I'm looking at her mugshot because she was arrested a short time later, and she is crying. She's in jail, which to me is actually a good sign. It shows remorse, I think, a little bit of remorse, right? I mean, that's good. And then she's out of jail, uh it looks like 90 minutes later, and here's Meatball uh, talking to her fans now all over the world. Uh, let's hear from the Meatball. I just want to say thanks to everybody that, you know, carry for me. Ain't nothing, never been nothing. I never been doing nothing like that ever in my life. I don't even know what, ha- what, what happened. Like, I need some sleep. I'm scared. I'm traumatized. Never again in my life. Like, seriously, I'm tired. I love you. All right. Well, I mean, that's a good sign. Uh, She says never again in her life. But, you know, I've said that before myself, right? Never again am I eating ice cream. Never again. And 20 minutes later, you're doing it. Um, She says she doesn't know what happened. I'll tell you what happened. You, uh, well, you were rioting. (laughs) You were rioting and breaking stuff and documenting it with your phone and having a good time and uh, harassing cops and, uh, I don't have direct evidence of this, although you are, let's see, yes, you're charged with stealing. So that's what happened. 
and you are having the time of your life. And urban specialists, the people who study cities, you know, urbanology, uh, they got a whole department at the university on urban studies. It's been documented for decades that rioting, because they were upset officially that some guy who got shot by the police, the cop was, I, fa- I think, found not guilty, that they were rioting in response to that. But urban studies uh, people, professionals, know that rioting, what really drives rioting, this was documented all the way back in 1965, uh, that they call it the fun and profit of rioting. <laughs> it is fun and it is profitable. And it's a hell of a lot more, it's a hell of a lot easier to run around demanding change to those who are actually advocating for change. It's calling for change in, in other things, in institutions, you know, in, in other than creating change in your own life. That's hard. But going out and yelling and screaming and stealing and breaking stuff, that's fun and easy. And yeah, sometimes profitable. Uh, well, do we think Meatball learned her lesson? I don't know. I don't know. Do we know Meatball's real name? I don't know. I don't know. She's like one name famous, like Cher, right? Cher, Madonna, Meatball, Pele, you know? Um, well, I hope she uses her newfound fame uh, for good, and please don't do that again. Uh, wait a second. Well, who the hell's upset with Vivek? What did he do wrong, jo- Joanne? I thought he was great. Hi. Oh, hey, hey Greg. <laughs> you know what? I'll tell you the truth. When he first came out, I loved him. First couple of times I saw him, his energy, everything about him. He's outspoken. He, I thought he was great. However, I did a little research, and I found out that, you know, look, I, he's not the guy that we want because I can't trust who he is. 14 years, 12 years ago, he worked for Soros. Okay, oh, so, slow Soros. down, slow down, slow down. All right. Look, he got a you're, – you're reading a lot. You know, the establishment doesn't like him, so they're bad-mouthing him and smearing him all over the place, all right? You do a little research, you read a little thing, all right? There are all kinds of people putting out bad information about the guy. So he got a scholarship. You know, before Soros tried to ruin the world, he was like a mainstream philanthropist to some degree. And, um, you know, 10 years ago, if he was offering scholarship money, I might take that money too. Not that I was going to school 10 years ago, but you know what I mean. So what else, what other, what, what, how else are you troubled by him now? All right, but that didn't bother me as much as this. So three three years ago, he he dismantled, let's say, or whatever, three businesses, and they all had the same ending, but different. It sounded the same, but different. You know uh, what you sound like, ending. quite frankly. Remember the people who are always complaining about Trump and his business career, right? You take one thing, you take it totally out of context. Remember who's putting this stuff out there: his political enemies, his political uh, rivals. All right, so there's this stuff out there. I don't believe most of it. Uh, he's obviously a very smart guy. I believe him. He's resonating, and they're trying to destroy him. I don't think it's working. I think you should be, quite frankly, a little bit savvier than this, Joanne, a little bit more sophisticated. They're coming after him, full, guns blazing, trying to smear him. This is why a lot of good people avoid politics, because they will uh, they will lie and scream and smear and do all kinds of horrible things. And um, I actually care less and less about his back you remember with trump oh he's bankrupt oh he's not really a billionaire oh he did this oh he did that right there were people like you calling radio stations excited i just read this about donald trump and he you know he let forget about that stuff all right i i i think i think uh you know i've interviewed him a couple of times and i've looked into his background i mean i i'm impressed what can i tell you
Anybody else uh, at the debate, Joanne, that you want to say anything about? No, you know, I just want to say that uh, uh, I heard Nixon never debated and neither did Reagan. And we need Trump. And I can't stand the guy from Jersey there. I don't want to. Yeah, Chris Christie. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Uh, Reagan definitely debated. Reagan. I don't know where you. Yeah. Yeah. Reagan debated uh, George H.W. Bush in 1980 and, and several others. He debated Jimmy Carter in 1980. He debated uh, Walter Mondale in 1984. So you see, you see the fake news, whatever you're getting this stuff off the internet. He totally debated. Um, deal, excuse but- me, excuse me. I'm not done yet. Richard Nixon debated famously. Do you remember this? Do you know this? He said no. Yes, he did, and he lost. Oh, then- he got his ass beat by JFK. Remember all you know, suntan and all that crap. But the other thing about that is, uh, you are right in that Nixon did not debate again because he lost so badly. He didn't debate in 1968. He didn't debate in 1972, in part because he was so far in front in the polls, uh, general and uh, primary-wise. Anyway, Joanne, all right, if you need to be straightened out on anything else, you call me, okay? All right, wait, 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 wait. But listen, we got to get Trump in there, and we got to get these people, you know, out of our way. Okay? All right. What, well, what do you mean by out of our way? Well, I mean, look, what I mean is, you know, we got a lot of nonsense going out. Uh, people are believing this and that. And uh, all I do is toot my horn all day about, you know, I get up on top of all these. And especially these. Wait, calm down you know? a second, man. You really are kind of intense here. And you're consuming. Oh, I, I think you need to I think you need to be a bit more deliberative about the information you're taking in, because some of it I've caught you now in three fake things. <laughs> you got, all right. I know you know your wait, stuff, wait. but, you know, I got a little bit of a point here, Joanne. You got to get Joanne. Keep it up. I do love the energy. Uh, maybe tone it down a little bit. Uh, and uh, oh. what do you do? I believe in you. I believe in you. That's what All I right. Think. That's okay? good. I love and it. I'm a believer. I got minute, it. You and Mark Levin. I even told Mark Levin show. I, the two of you and my men. Oh, man. Right? Mark Levin. He was on here yesterday. What an honor and what a great man. Where would we be without the great one? I'm serious. Get his book, uh, The Democrat Party Hates America. I downloaded it. I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Thank you, Joanne. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Wow. Six years ago, right now, I was wrapping up my uh, my tenure at Good Day New York. Six years ago today. Uh, wow. The past six years have gone so fast. They really have. They've flown by. My life has changed radically in so many different ways. Uh, I'm married. I'm a father of two children a one-year-old girl a three-year-old girl um i live in a new uh house a new uh dwelling we uh we have a new life a new job new friend everything is different and wonderful by the way wonderful i'm not saying uh things weren't good back then um part of it was getting up at the so early in the morning that will really mess you up and i know and getting up at four in the morning, a, a lot of people do that, even, you know, who work regular jobs during the day and get out at get done with work at six o'clock at night. It's very hard. Um, but my one of the reasons why my life has improved so much is um, I I get enough sleep. I get I get more than I get plenty of rest. Uh, what else did I do right around there? Right after I, I, I had a drinking that left that behind. Um what else? Uh, how long was I there? Yeah, nine years. Good years. Good years. I enjoyed it very much. Still talk to Rosanna every now and then. Uh, great person doing her thing over there. And, uh, Mike Woods and the gang, I run into him every now and then, shoot him a text and, uh, yeah, good for them. Uh, 
it's kind of like the Marine Corps, though. You know, I, I am so glad I was in the Marine Corps, but I don't miss it for a day. Um, all the money in the world could not have prevented me from joining the Marine Corps, and all the money in the world could not have kept me in the Marine Corps. All right, I, I was good and ready to leave, and that goes for good day. It was like I got I got to do almost everything there is to do on a uh, on a morning show, and it was uh, it was time. And uh, and this is a, a a fascinating new space to be in on the opinion side of things. And the opinion side of things is, uh, I think, the place to be right now for me, for me. And I owe it all to the Lord, God, absolutely. So many things, big and small, he did for me and to me, oh, by the way, to get my attention, to straighten me out. And uh, that journey began several years before. When I finally, well, actually, he was trying to get my attention for a lifetime. But when I suddenly realized all these things that are happening, and wait, the God's in control? Really? But we still have free will? Yep, in the Bible. The Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible. If you haven't cracked it, if you ever tried to read the Bible and found yourself frustrated, right? Um, this one will have a little bit of footnotes, a little bit of coaching, and it helps a great deal. Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible. It changed everything in my life, and I think it could do the same for you. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The debate last night, I got a couple of more quick things to say. Um, I haven't talked about the moderators. I like Stuart Varney. I saw no issues there. Uh, Dana Perino, on the other hand, now I've met Dana Perino a number of times. Very, very nice and very, very smart and has a lot of great advice for young people. And, uh, you know, she's got a lot of uh, grit and determination. And I'm saying this stuff because it's true, not because I'm about to say something uh, nasty about her, which I am um, not really nasty, but it has to be pointed out. She hates Trump, but she loves the Bushes. Uh, the Bushes uh, gave her everything. The Bushes, you know, sh- they made her press secretary. That is a job that still, uh, it's kind of changed a little bit. If you work for the right president, well, you can write your own ticket. You can dine out on that for the rest of your life. And she's a prime example of that. Again, she's got ability. She's smart. I think she has integrity. Um, But I don't know. Maybe you have to, well, maybe there's an issue here. Because I think you have to, um, at a at a moment like this, you can't be, you can't be pushing anybody against Trump. And that's, I think, what she did in this question. Can we hear this, please? This is from the debate last night. Dana Perino, former White House spokesperson, now has a big hosting job over there at the Fox News. Go ahead. It's now obvious that if you all stay in the race, former President Donald Trump wins the nomination. None of you have indicated that you're dropping out. So, which one of you on stage tonight should be voted off the island. (laughs) Please use your marker to write your choice on the notepad in front of you. 15 (laughs) seconds starting now. Of the people on the stage, who should be... I'm absolutely serious. With all due respect, I mean, we're here. Like, We're happy to debate, but I think that that's disrespectful to my fellow competitors. Nobody wants to participate. Let's talk about the future of the country. It's not... Good for uh, Ron DeSantis there. What a silly thing, you know, voted off the island. And, like, somebody's got to go. Because the mission there, as Dana's laying out, is to stop Trump. 
uh, use the pad on your uh, podium. What is this, Jeopardy? Seriously, this is a debate. It's supposed to be an opportunity where you can actually go fuller than 30-second uh, ads, sound bites, that kind of thing. And they all said, well, you better have some really good lines all lined up. And, oh, there's got to be a moment. I, I mean, <laughs> it should be more than that. The other thing that a moderator should do before they watch or moderate a debate is watch every debate you can. And if you go back every time in recent years that that silly stunt has been pulled, everybody raise your hands or everybody say this or, you know, people start calling it out. Uh, Ted Cruz called it out. Uh, let's see. Uh, I saw Newt Gingrich call it out. Like, don't do that. We're not children. I mean, what the hell? Who is who is anybody? You know, a Fox News personality to, you know, you have 15 seconds. Time begins now. Shut the hell up. This is this is presidential politics. All right. 15 seconds with the pen and paper. You're not talking to fourth graders. Anyway, now having said it, I do like uh, Dana. You know, I, uh, why do I say that all the time? Because I, I met her a couple of times and I do like her. Uh, but I'm not friends with her. We don't socialize or anything like that. And um, I did not know this. So she was hanging around the Clinton Global Initiative like two weeks ago. Moderating and doing stuff with Hillary Clinton. Yes. Talk about globalism, the Clinton Global Initiative, hosted by spokesmodel Dana Perino. No kidding. Go. Please. Some that you are here to see the amazing Secretary Hillary Clinton. Here she is. And in she comes. There's Hillary. Giving a little kiss to Dana. And they sit down and... The podium, the, the the whole panel begins. Isn't that weird? You're you're three weeks from doing uh, moderating that. Now you could say, well, that makes her impartial. Does it? Does it? I mean, the Clintons. Let's face it, that's a pretty uh, toxic brand. And what did she say? The amazing Hillary Clinton. I don't know. I think it's uh, it's bad form. Let's see here. Somebody writes, uh, this guy, Josh Power, I thought Dana Perino and her team did a poor job moderating the debate last night. Seemed like they wanted a circus that would make the GOP look stupid. Huh. Then I woke up this morning and read a post that she was at the Clinton Global Initiative meeting last week. Talk about globalism, man. Huh? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Weird. Totally weird. That's not right. And I have a, you know, and that, and every time I start thinking about the Bushes, I think about the Iraq war. And you guys know how I feel about the Iraq war. It's one of the reasons why I signed up with Trump early, early, first day. This guy can win. This guy can do it. This guy can go all the way. I'm looking at Bush right now, George W. Bush. What did he want? He even admitted it at one point. Fame and power. And then when he left, what did he want? He wanted the cash in. Because $400,000 a year was not enough for George W. Bush. He needed to replenish the coffers. Can you imagine that he said that publicly? That he had to take a financial hit as president of the United States, the highest paid person in federal service. Oh, speaking of federal service, Fauci. Actually, I'm sorry. The president's the second highest paid. I think the National Institute of Health people, they can make upwards of five or $600,000 plus royalties from Big Pharma. Well, somebody just sent me this and it is now it, 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 it's particularly disgusting to see Barack Obama pushing vaccines on children. 
the COVID vaccine on children. There must be a choice. And this, you know, they made it. It's kind of creepy. He's standing there in a mask in a classroom with Fauci. And seven-year-olds are supposed to take the vaccine. You know, you give the vaccine to 50 million people, a number of people, 300 million people. There are people who will die from that vaccine. Even vaccines we've had for a long time, uh, there, there are people who die from them. Now, that's fine. I mean, it's fine. Like, it doesn't mean we don't give the vaccine. I th- I take it back. It's terrible when people die. But that does not mean you don't have the vaccine. I mean, you can talk about, do we have a, an experimental vaccine like we did? But to make it mandatory? Now, people do die. People die from aspirin. Allergic reactions. You made everybody in America take an aspirin and made it mandatory tonight? How many people would die? I don't know, but some would. Anyway, here's Barack Obama and his uh, his buddy Fauci. Listen to this. Thanks to the work of the Biden administration, Dr. Fauci, we already have millions of kids around the country who have gotten vaccinated, which means that if you're still thinking about it, you know, get informed, talk to somebody you trust, your family doctor, your pediatrician, a school nurse, get more information about it. They'll tell you it's safe, it's effective. This is uh, this vaccine is tailored for uh, kids. And uh, then come on down and find a spot to get vaccinated. You can get it for free just by going to vaccine.gov. It'll tell you exactly where uh, you can go to get vaccinated and uh you know, make sure to do it, as you said, for your kids, your entire family, as well as for the community at large. What the hell does he know about anything? What does he know other than how to uh, cash in? I, you, there are so many of these elites, oh, by the way, who did not take the vaccine, who don't get their kids vaccinated, right? It's literally they say one thing, they do another. I know I don't want to because they've been honest with me about it. But they don't take the vaccine and they happen to be very closely associated with a great big prime mover of the vaccine. And, uh, I think that's pretty, pretty low, but at least they've been honest with me about it. I'm not going to name names. Um, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. All right. Hey, the guy who defected to North Korea, the U.S. soldier, guess what? He got kicked out of North Korea <laughs> and he's back in America. Uh, man. That was, I'm, you know, I'm glad you're back. You could have been over there for the rest of your life. That would have been a bad move. Now, you're going to be in trouble here for a while. Might as well get it out of the way now. You know, we've sent people, people have escaped or defected to North Korea back in the 60s and 50s. And 30 years later, they change their mind and they come back home and they get court-martialed. There was like a 75-year-old guy who defected when he was 20 as a private. And he comes back. He wants to come to America uh, he's in Japan and anyway, he goes to an American military base and he turns himself in and they put him in a private's uniform and they, you know, hold a little trial and he's convicted and, uh, spent 30 days in the brig. And fortunately for him, his mommy was still alive. He's 75 years old. His mother's a hundred and he got to meet her before she died. And it was the same house, the same house he grew up in. Boy, oh boy, when we're kids, we make some stupid, stupid decisions. Um, uh, don't we, uh, Gail? Hello, Gail. Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? Fine, fine. Um, I'm interested in everything you've been talking about. When you made the comment about the rioters, basically, um, some people have been saying rioting because they don't want to get their own lives together. Um, so they're rioting against uh, businesses, etc. Well, I think it's very similar to how the corporate 
globalist media brainwashes people. They a real key group that they in a sophisticated way target are people that aren't satisfied with their own life for whatever reason. Uh, and they want a scapegoat. So scapegoat Trump, scapegoat the Republicans. And I think these brainwashing techniques really play on this. So I think you were, you know, really on to something uh, similar to what you were saying with the rioters taking out their own inner conflicts. It's interesting, right? It is interesting. Now, yep. You think they, the media target them in a in a special way. How do they do yes. it? I don't disagree, very, but how do very, they do it? Very, very sophisticated. Um, you know, jealousy, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, there are many people that are just not satisfied with how their life turned out, whether it's psychological or financial or could be a variety of reasons, all ethnicities, et cetera. And they need a scapegoat. Just like in just like with personal interactions, you know, people that can't accept responsibility. Mm. So the, the these techniques that are used, believe me, are very sophisticated. I remember in school they taught us that subliminal techniques were outlawed in advertising. Well, you better believe that they've really, really researched it and perfected it. Yeah. And there are different groups of people that they target. And I just personally have noticed that this scape this group that needs a scapegoat is one of the largest groups. Yeah. Then you have other groups. Yeah, I'm with you on this um, totally, and it's happening, and it's real. And you made me think of uh, one. Oh, Instagram, you know, and social media. You see how these people live, and it makes people very, very jealous. Thank you, Gail. I want to go to the impeachment inquiry right now. This jerk, Dan Goldman, is speaking. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Oh, shoot. No, he just stopped. This is Marjorie Taylor Greene. We liked her sent the Department of Justice a letter requesting information related to victims of Hunter Biden, specifically women he sexually exploited and then claimed as deductions on his taxes through his law firm. But he never paid those taxes. Not surprisingly, the Department of Justice did not respond. After the DOJ's sweetheart Hunter Biden deal fell apart, by the way, led by the special counsel David Weiss, on September 8th, 2023, Chairman Comer and I again sent a letter to the same DOJ officials asking about victims' rights issues related to Hunter Biden's sexual exploitations. DOJ once again failed to respond. Well, yesterday I found out why they don't want to talk with us. In a new email just released, by the way, from October 2020, could you please display the email? The Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office, DOJ, tax, FBI, and IRS described evidence they have related to manned act violations. By the way, the subject of the email says man act. First, the title, man act. Then it's clear there are charges on the table while the Department of Justice is in hiding from meeting with me. The Department of Justice and IRS email and David Weiss's Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office. All right, let me just jump in for a second. What she's getting at is, uh, you know, Hunter was flying in uh, prostitutes from California to the Washington, D.C. area and uh, bringing somebody in, hiring somebody for sex over state lines. That's in violation of the Mann Act, and it's actually a pretty serious thing. It's also known as sex trafficking. Keep going. David Weiss, the now special counsel in charge of supposedly investigating Hunter Biden, has been clearly covering up Hunter Biden's crimes since before the 2020 election, which is undoubtedly election interference. 
David Weiss is complicit and must be removed from the special counsel. All right, good for you, Marjorie Taylor Greene. We also have more information we subpoenaed. Let me give you an even better example based on an interview with one of Hunter Biden's victims with law enforcement. It says here that the victim, Hunter Biden's victim, stated that Biden told her that his father was the vice president and asked to Google search his name. (laughs) Hunter Biden's victim stated she told Biden she was not interested in Google searching his name and just wanted to be paid. Hunter Biden's victim stated that Biden then showed her a picture of his father with President Barack Obama. Don't forget his father was vice president then. Hunter Biden's sex, Hunter Biden's victim stated after she was shown the aforementioned picture who was the vice president of the United States with the president of the United States, Barack Obama, she became afraid. Ooh. After Hunter Biden's victim left the location, she arrived back at her apartment and told her friend who she was just with. Hunter Biden's victim stated that her friend told her, you have no idea who you're dealing with. These women were terrified, terrified. He used his father. Hunter Biden used his father, the vice president of the United States, to threaten his victim who he had just trafficked for sex. And the Department of Justice refuses to speak to me. Hunter Biden needs to be held accountable accountable for his sexual exploitation of women. And we've shown more evidence. We've shown evidence. This is what it looks like. Good for you, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Don't let that guy off the hook. I'm serious. Republican of Georgia. They give her a hard time. She's great. She's a voice for freedom and liberty and accountability. Good for you. Shame on you, Hunter Biden. I saw this stuff, too. Wow. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hi there. Uh, so the Biden impeachment inquiry is underway. House Republicans have uh, they've got it going. And guess whose name came up almost immediately? Our favorite mayor, America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani. Uh, Democrats want to subpoena him. And uh, I think that's what I was hearing. And it's amazing. You know, Mr. Giuliani, everybody is talking about you almost Man, all the time. I was time. available five years ago with all this information. <laughs> we could have done this. We could have gotten him. Uh, we could have gotten him indicted back then, even have to impeach him. He was a private citizen. I had a beautiful RICO case. Uh, 14, 15 witness, 30, 40 documents, a recording, an audio recording, a video recording. Five Ukrainian officials, one the acting attorney general. They're all ready to testify that Joe was involved in a massive bribery scheme. And they are also interested in the fact that Joe has evidence against the uh, president of uh, Ukraine. I mean, they have their own internal bribery situation where our president would be, I mean, he could be like a Sammy the Bull for them. So wait a second. Uh, Zelensky has evidence on Joe Biden, right? Yeah, and Joe Biden has evidence on Poroshenko. 
Joe and Poroshenko has evidence on Biden too, right? And vice versa. <laughs> oh, gee whiz. Well, I mean, that's like who goes first? Is uh, Gotti going to testify against uh, Sammy the Bull, or Sammy the Bull testify against Gotti? So, look, are you watching what's going on? Do you think they've got <laughs> yeah. momentum? Is this? Yeah, is this? Yeah. Are they? Do they know what they're doing? Because sometimes they can botch this stuff up. No, they're they're. Uh, I don't, here's the one thing they didn't do, or, you know, it's a little unfair because they're going to misinterpret anything they do anyway. They didn't explain correctly that this is a table setting hearing. Meaning what they're attempting to do is not calling evidence of witnesses who have the direct evidence. They kind of want to explain what the hearing is all about and what the procedures are and what the standard is. So now they're getting hit for not calling fact witnesses. You know, they didn't call Bobolinsky. They didn't call Devin Archer. They didn't call, uh, you know, some of the, some of the whistleblowers. Of course, they've already been called and testified. And they will be called. So, uh, they have, the Democrats have caused a little confusion there. But the confusion is inherent in the process that Comer decided on. And it's, it's a good process. Some of the, some of the impeachment hearings, if you listen carefully, were carried on this way. Some they call the star witnesses right away. It's a question of tactics, you know. Well, you're going to be um, you're not going anywhere. And uh, hey, I'm, any news coming next week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty good, pretty good chance we'll we'll be able to talk about it on Friday. All right, I'm very excited. I'm I working am. on it. I'm working on it. Yeah, yeah, you got some good stuff in store. Yep. And uh, Mr. Mayor, as I've said a million times, you're going to be totally, totally restored, and they're hassling you. But I know you're right. You know you're right. We know you're right. Uh, and pretty soon the whole world uh, is going to be yeah, just. It's time for all of us, all of us Trump people to go on, on the offense. I love it. I love it. Mr. Mayor, thank you very much. The show is yours momentarily. A great uh, show. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Barbara, Ellie, Patrick, Joe, Sandra, Rachel, I apologize. I apologize deeply. You guys are the best to be continued. Bye-bye. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.